Greetings and welcome to another episode of Stanford Cinema. As always, I'm your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And today we are going to be completing kind of a little bit of a trilogy, if you really think about it, because recently I've covered, what is it, The Notebook, Defending Your Life, and now About Time. So I don't know, in a parallel universe, maybe that's kind of a good little trilogy, a thematic trilogy, if you will. If you're not familiar with About Time, it came out in 2013, written and directed by Richard Curtis, who listeners should recognize that name as he's responsible for Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Love Actually, and he also wrote the screenplay for Bridget Jones' Diary. But today, we're going to be covering About Time from 2013, the time-traveling rom-com adventure story slash family film slash all-around tearjerker. And I love this movie. I... Just, uh, just you know, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to do a whole lot of talking. And that's what happens when we pick a movie that I just really, really love. And that is the case with this film. But let's just give credit where credit's due, because this was not my pick. This comes from our guest, the lovely author, Mary Kay Savarese. And Mary is going to be obviously telling us a little bit about her work, but also why she chose this movie and why this movie is important to her. So... Let's just get right on in to our conversation. Again, Mary, hello. How are you? I am fabulous. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited. Now, when we first connected, it was several months ago. And thank you so much for your patience. I'm really excited about this movie that we're going to be discussing this evening. But as I mentioned uh, to you off, but to our listeners... I had to be in the right emotional space to discuss this film. I love this movie. I love this movie. But, and it's beautiful and it's touching and it's heartwarming and it's funny. But the, there, there are elements of this film that are also like kind of, I don't know, for, to use my term of, uh, or rather not my term, but a term, uh, ugly crying. I, yeah. I had to be prepared to know that I'm like, <laughs> right, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to ugly cry like there's no tomorrow. So I just had to be in the right headspace. But uh, before we talk about the movie, I do want to talk about you. So Mary, if you wouldn't mind for the listeners, please uh, introduce yourself, what it is that, uh, rather, who you are, what it is that you do, and why we're going to be talking about the movie we're talking about. Well, Andrew, thank you so very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you as well and to discuss the movie. And maybe... Maybe it was meant to be for this movie to come back into your life at this time. But um, my name is Mary Kay Sabarese. I have the middle initial of K because there are many Mary Sabareses in the on the internet. And um, I am a traditionally published, award-winning, best-selling author. I am known for my quirky titles. My debut novel um, is a murder mystery intertwined with the supernatural. And the title is Tiger's Love, Bubble Bath, and Obsession Perfume. Who knew? You can see it behind me. It's the red cover with the tiger in the bubble bath. And my second traditionally published novel, which is the first of the Star Writers trilogy, um, also quirky title, The Girl in the Toil Wallpaper. So when we do get to that point, I have some wonderful backstories to share with your audience about the titles and how they came about. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm really curious just to talk about obviously uh, your 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 new novel and everything, and your your process and everything. But just from a backstory, just to kind of like kickstart, because I'm always fascinated. Everybody has their own origin story when it comes to writing, so I'm just kind of curious. What is yours? Like, what got you into wanting to write? I think something I've always had these ideas for stories. And as life progressed, um, it just went on the back burner, on the back burner for me. And it really wasn't until I have three kids, much, much older than yours. When the first one went off to college, I said, hmm, finally, let me get a taste. Let me see if I can do this. And um, Andrew, I am an overnight success, a 10-year overnight success, <laughs> because my goal was to become traditionally published. And back then, um, what wasn't available to the author is available today, which is wonderful. But to be self-published back then was taboo. Um, so I really just kept writing manuscript after manuscript, submitting after submitting, snail mail. Then it went to email. And, um, you know, it was one rejection after another. And finally, finally, that contract came through. And you think it gets easier, but it doesn't. Because the publishing house I was with for my debut novel, I had approached them for a trilogy. And they said, oh, no, thank you. Even though my book won award after award, I was the best-selling author. They weren't interested in doing a trilogy. So I went on to find a wonderful all-female um, publishing house. They were new in Digner House, and they were very interested. So I am now just weeks away from having the second book in the Star Writers Trilogy um, published traditionally published that is awesome by the way congratulations I'm, I'm really excited for you this is this is fun I, I love I love hearing these stories now are there are there is there a certain type of narrative that you're more attracted to when you're when you're crafting and developing a story I think that's why um can I say the name of the movie or we're holding off on the name no, no, of the, the it's movie. fine oh. this is very okay. organic people can read the the okay. the, the episode title so, <laughs> so at this point no, no, they should know we're talking secret. about about time about time this is my genre this is Andrew this is what I live for when I write fantasy adventure intertwined with a romance or romances so um, 10 years ago, yes, I loved this movie. I didn't watch it when it first came out. I watched it a couple of years after that, and I was just so moved by it. But, you know, life goes on. And um, what I was so fascinated about was um, the theme of it is truly ordinary is extraordinary. And it really wasn't until I connected with you and you said, give me the movie. And I said, oh, my God, about time. And I did the same thing. I rewatched it a couple of nights ago. And it was that much more poignant, as you said, because in 10 years, 
our lives have changed also. And we've gone through, but yeah, tearjerker and near the end. And I just found it to be so amazing and beautiful. But as an author, Andrew, I tear it apart in my mind. I'm watching it as a book, <laughs> Um, as it's being written, but it to me it's one of the most incredible movies, and I think it it's it'll it'll remain a classic. I agree. I agree. Now, let's let's if you wouldn't mind, obviously without no. any spoilers, but you know you obviously have the Tigers Love Bubble Baths and Obsession perfume. Who knew? Uh, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Uh, which, by the way, I love the parentheses. Who knew? Uh, it, it, it's great. Now, I know that you live in Florida now, but is that where you're from originally? No, you can hear my Brooklyn accent. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Back- the, who knew? I mean, there there is an element of just that, like the kind of like a very northeast. Or my mom is from Long Island. Uh, yes. she, she's been many years removed, but she still has uh, elements of her own New York accent that, that come through. But regarding your new novel, what what can you tell us about? What can the 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 readers expect what i mean you said this is part of a trilogy so naturally i mean i'm already perked because it's like okay so this is going to be a um just a a chapter of an overall narrative so i'm just what what can we expect what can we be looking for what are some of the things that the the reader can be looking forward to yep exactly a trilogy is different than a series a series will take um, the same characters and move along, maybe in a different setting, whereas a trilogy allows the author to take something. So the first book in the trilogy, it is a fantasy adventure intertwined with romances, and um, it is titled The Girl in the Trois Wallpaper. So I need to first tell the audience about that because, yes, you can read, you will be able to read each of the trilogy's separately, although it will refer back. Now, in The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper, what I, what, let me just tell your audience what Toile is. It's very much part of our everyday lives. It's what you see behind me. It's a very artistic wall covering or fabric that's been around for centuries. It can be old school, contemporary, with people in it, without people in it. It can be buildings, whatever, statues, whatever you want to make it. What makes it a toile are these um, colors, these artistic, vibrant colors, two tones on the background, and it tells the story. It's not a mural. A mural is one exhibition, but a toile has many different elements in it. And um, living when I lived in Connecticut, I couldn't even sell my house because I loved it so much. I had so much toile in room after room that um, I was so inspired by it. And those colors, I said, oh, I see love. I see betrayal. I see this and that. So what I did was I incorporated the past. Um, I the settings are um, contemporary, but I do take you into the past and I bring you to Florence, Italy and Siena, Italy. And my characters begin in the Northeast, but they travel to Italy. And um, what happens is I bring in the past because in Italy, several centuries ago, two and a half century ago, ago it's very common for um, families to have the arranged marriages, and it still is in many countries. 
Well, my protagonist, um, Lily, her heart wants what her heart wants. And she wants to be loyal to her family. But as things proceed, um, the greedy noble wants different things in the story and brings in this wizard. And she is placed into a toile. Will she be there forevermore? And enter in the contemporary um, characters and um, how they work. Uh, how all this comes about, it's very much a fantasy and a journey. So if you love fantasy and adventure and romances, you'll love The Girl in the Trois Wallpaper, Andrew. Whereas the second novel in the Star Writers Trilogy is titled The um, Star Writers Club. And it's a theme that is worked through The Girl in the Trois Wallpaper. And the theme is it's written in the stars. And um, what that means is um, we have a purpose. There's a plan for each one of us. But maybe we are not at that point in our lives yet where it comes through fruition. So um, the characters say they may have a wish or a thought or a hope for something. And they ask for it to be written in the stars. So then the second book that I proposed became the Star Writers Club. And what is a star writer? And I delve into that. But what I had to do was create worlds. And I created worlds around the heavens and worlds around um, the underworld because I didn't propose to even know what these places look like. So I had to, again, I'm dealing in fantasy. You have to deal with certain rules. You think, you know, I would fight with my editor back and forth. But um, again, fantasy. So I bring you into a world. But in book two, book two is in between the earthly bookends, the girl in the twelve wallpaper and the future title, Return the Girl in the Twelve Wallpaper. This one is very ethereal. It begins at death. Mm. So um, not that I'm making it creepy or anything, but I take you on a different journey between good and evil, which is always fun. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean that right off the bat. I mean, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm curious to know where where this journey is going to go. So, ooh, um, to unpack a little bit of that. Now, obviously, it's a very very rich world, and obviously, anytime you're coming with fantasy, there you know, there there are certain rules that come into play. So, mm-hmm. what did and I mean, and everybody has their own process. But for creating a expansive kind of world as as you're doing, what what did that look like before you started putting the before you putting before you started putting that to page? Like now, some people they just start like all right. Some people don't have a process. Some people aren't uh, outline outliners or note takers. Now, me, my own writing, yeah. I the, the 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 writing itself is boring because I I spend an insane amount of time outlining before and then when i finally start writing and that that's the easy part the outlining is my the the bane of my existence but everybody's different everybody has a different process but i'm curious when you're creating your own kind of universe what what did that look like like how does how how does one do that especially if you're going to create i don't know a, a thematic trilogy even or even a connected character trilogy what is what is that what did that look like for you my ideas, Andrew, begin with the title. Something in my mm-hmm. life um, gives me that title. 
like my debut novel, The Tiger's Love Bubble Bath, an obsession perfume. Who knew? I did a, a, a tour at a, um, a wildlife preserve for old cats. And that's where I saw the tiger dump into the bubble bath, just this incredible jungle creature that became became human because they sprayed obsession perfume on his tongue and he lapped it up like a cocktail. And I said, <laughs> that is the title of my next novel. And it became a metaphor. That novel, which is a um, mystery romance intertwined with supernatural, became a metaphor because those big cats were tossed aside in this reserve like an old shoe. And so my protagonist is tossed aside like an old shoe after 25 years of marriage. Whereas the trilogy, um, I had the idea for the girl in the trial wallpaper. And again, I begin with the title. Something inspires me. I love 12. I was so inspired by 12. Then I have a general idea. I do have an idea of an ending. I don't have that. The everything in the sandwich part. But after the title, general idea of an ending, I begin with the characters. I create them. I become them. It's not that I walk around and I talk like them because I would drive the family crazy, but they're <laughs> in my head. You, because you know, you have to, what are their motivations? Why are they here? What are they doing? So then I create the characters. And as an author, Many of us walk around and we tend to be perverts. We look, we watch, we write. I write like in a little note to future novels. So that's where I begin. And then what I love, and that's why I love this whole process, um, because the story I begin and that it takes me on a journey. I don't know where I'm going to go. And it just takes me this way or it'll take me that way. Or I'll finish a page and all of a sudden an idea pops in. And that to me is the most amazing, amazing thing about writing fantasy adventure. I love that. Now, out of, just out of curiosity, this doesn't have to be anything deep, but I'm always just kind of curious how people write. <laughs> are you are you a computer writer? Are you a notebook writer? Are you a, a napkin writer? Like how uh, when you're when you're creating your your, your, your first draft or when you're in your early stages, what, what is the, the, the format that you find yourself more drawn to? The laptop. But I started out in a notebook. And then um, my first um, um, manuscript, that was in a notebook. That had not been published, just rejection after rejection. But then I went to put it on the laptop and that was the way to go because your thoughts are coming out so quickly and you can move quickly. Whereas, uh, yeah, it's definitely a laptop. Love it. Mary, thank you very much for, uh, for sharing, obviously a little bit of your, your craft, how it works, uh, your, uh, the, the trilogy, uh, your upcoming novel, because the previous one just came out last winter. Did it not? The girl in the 12 wallpaper. Yes. Came out and um, yes. The Star Writers Club will be out in several weeks. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, and for the listeners, and obviously for you, Mary, just so you give it a, get a heads up, this originally, this episode originally was going to come out in December of this year, but it kind of like works well with a, a couple of recent episodes that we've got. So this episode is going to be going out immediately. So oh, uh, beautiful. this means nothing to you as we're recording it. <laughs> 
but for the listener, you're listening to it now. But for Mary hearing this, <laughs> this is going live effectively tomorrow. So wonderful. Yeah, it works really well because I, I've covered um recently I've covered the notebook and last week I covered defending your life. So there's a weird trilogy with those three films and, and this one when it comes to yes, love stories our, and then faith and yes. So just a, a lot of interesting, it's just very, very fortuitous that these films just kind of work. So I don't know, we're going to call it kind of like the the little like love story trilogy, if you will. Yes. But and, and Andrew, who do you have in the notebook? You have her, Rachel, yeah, McAd- yeah, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, Rachel McAdams is an absolutely. One of my favorite actresses. She would be, she was really, when I was writing The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper, she is my character, Aunt Meg. Absolutely. Oh. That's exciting. Yeah. Now, if uh, all right, so now we're gonna we're gonna transition into talking to uh, talking yeah. rather about about time. Now, yeah. I always give the the guests the opportunity because it's a film they 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 recommended for this discussion. I always give them the opportunity if they want to introduce the movie, what the what the film is about. So I'm going to defer that to you, or rather, if you want me to, you know, give a brief plot description, I can yep. do that. But you're, I always you're offer the professional. It to the you're the oh, professional. So Mary, you are you're lead. very sweet. I'm far from a professional. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm struggling to, you know, I attempt to be mediocre. That's that's my aspiration in life is just to uh to uh in, in the words of Tim, be extraordinarily uh ordinary. That's that's my <laughs> aspirations in life. But all right, I'll give it a crack. Just I have nothing really necessarily prepared. So dear listener, thank you for your patience as I attempt to break this movie down. But the story of about uh, about time is it's a film about a young romantic named Tim and on his 21st birthday he learns that he's got this unique ability to travel through time and I say unique because it's it's unique to his family, specifically the men of his family. They have the ability to travel through time. Now there are rules like he can't go all the way back to uh, things that happened before his life. So he can't go back and, and kill Hitler or 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 shag Joan of Arc, uh, which <laughs> was a weird, weird line. But, hey, you know, uh, I, I, I get it. It's kind of comical. But that's one of the things that was said in the film. So there are constraints with what he can do. So he can go back to moments within his, lo- uh, his own life. He can't travel into the future, but. But he can travel in the past and. In the conversation that he has with his father, you know, there this movie quickly allows you to understand the type of film that you're going to be in, because naturally, a lot of people, when they think like, oh, I can I can travel through time. All right. It'll be back to the future, too. I'm going to grab the sports almanac and mm-hmm. I'm going to acquire wealth where really quickly in this film, you find out that wealth means nothing like so don't that that's not important. And we find out that his father has basically used his ability to read and read everything. And that's <laughs> find these things that are important. So in the character of our our protagonist, Tim, he is a hopeless romantic and he just wants to find love. But yep. what is interesting about this movie and where it goes is he doesn't use it in a way that, I don't know, seems... Uh, fake or phony in in many ways like or he's not using it to the point where 
it's a detriment. You know, he, like I said, he is a romantic, so he, he's not necessarily taking it and just faking, uh, faking relationships, uh, much in the way, like maybe say Bill Murray did in Groundhog Day, uh, with Andy McDowell, uh, trying to find that right, that right day. Um, but he does, he does fall in love and, and, uh, obviously he, he's really, really drawn to Rachel McAdams's character, but he's not completely selfish because he does do things to help his friends and family, which makes this movie really interesting. And although now I'm going on a completely subtangent, that's going to talk about <laughs> theme. So I'm going to bring myself in. Anyway, long story short, he uses power to help him with his love life, but also in a wholesome level that he uh, is not so selfish that he also helps himself, uh, helps his family, his sister, his best mm -hmm. friends, uh, those that are around him, and essentially doing things in the present to offer himself a better better future and a better future for his loved ones now that was not clear that was not concise but that was perfect but it was that perfect. okay was that, that okay no perfect nope. if i would go back in time i would clean that up a little bit but i but <laughs> i think i think i capture the essence of this film you did you you hit that nail right on the head <laughs> i couldn't have done it so. Mary, I'm going to have you on every week just so you can hype my uh, my ego. I appreciate I appreciate that. Now, this movie, which came out uh, ten years ago at yeah. the time of publishing, so this movie was released in 2013, and relatively speaking, it was well received. Um, had a modest budget of I don't know about ten to twelve million dollars. Gross worldwide about about a hundred. So it made it money its money back. It was very modestly successful uh for the listeners that are that are with us it was written and directed by richard curtis now that name very well may sound familiar to some maybe not so familiar to others but richard curtis is kind of a genius when it comes to um english romantic comedies because mm -hmm. he had written four weddings and a funeral he wrote notting hill Bridget Jones Diary, not the novel, obviously, but he wrote the film, uh, Bridget Jones, uh, Bridget Jones Diary, uh, Love Actually, obviously, yes. he did that one as well. Oh, gosh, those are all fabulous. They're all fabulous films, absolutely. <laughs> and what is great about this movie, without really getting deep, and we'll, pro you know, we'll try to get into that as a conversation, it's all about kind of like these these simple moments, right? There's nothing in this film that is very, very high complex, kind of in mm -hmm. the same way that Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's literally a movie about four weddings and a funeral. Uh, Love Actually, it's, it, it, they're, they're like these simple vignettes. In this movie, it's random daily occurrences. He He's not doing anything extraordinary to a line that he uses later on in the film, extraordinary ordinary right this is yes. these are simple moments and and not to get our head ahead of ourselves but that is one of the things that i think actually makes this movie work is it's a simple film in many respects and the movie tackles some very very serious themes and very serious family connections and and that 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 human experience is really what this movie is about and I think that's why this movie succeeds where, you know, I, I watched this movie today um, prior to this and 
I remember watching it when it came out and thoroughly enjoying it, but it was one of those movies that I watched. Okay. I, I enjoy this. This is a really good film. And I just kind of like put it up, put it away. And when I knew for this conversation that we we're going to be discussing it, I kind of put it off to the last minute because there's some serious things that go on mm-hmm. in this film that I just had to be the right emotional like headspace to to mm-hmm. be a part. Not that not to scare the the listener away. The movie is beautiful. The movie is hysterical. The movie is touching. But I I uh, I I'm a crier when it comes to films. I'm I'm like it's so funny because of the fact that I'm not that way in life. Things don't scare me. Like I I love horror films. I um. You know, people can I, I can watch really, really morbid things or people can tell me morbid things. But when it comes to a film and there's somebody, you know, uh, whether it's Field of Dreams, you know, and uh, the character is like, hey, you know, like, hey, dad, would you like to, you know, play catch? Th- those are the things, you know, I'll, yes. I'll cry. Charlotte's Web for crying out loud. You know, like yes. I'm a crier with film. Um, yes. I'm cold in many respects in my own life but put me in front of a film and i completely get immersed to it so i just i knew when we were gonna be covering this film oh i have to be ready because i'm gonna cry i'm gonna ugly cry kind of like claire dane's ugly cry <laughs> um but i'm but so tears excited of joy. <laughs> tears of joy exactly yes. so mary yeah now that i've rambled on for like three minutes thank you for your patience oh, i i do wait. apologize Oh, don't apologize. I love it. I love it. But what I wanted to add to that, because what's also amazing are these major characters, uh, major actors that have come out of this movie. Margot Robbie, she was 22 years old in this. You don't even recognize her. She is the character Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And she is a mega, mega star. Then you have Vanessa Kirby. She, back then, um, I mean, you didn't know who these people were. They are mega actors today. So that's another wonderful thing that has come from this movie before we get moving. I just want to throw that in. No, you're absolutely right. The the cast itself is insane, right? Obviously, you mentioned Margot Robbie and Vanessa Kirby, who have kind of like supporting roles in it. We mentioned... Uh, Rachel McAdams, oh, uh, Donald welcome. Gleason, who's our, yeah. our central uh, protagonist. Um, I always butcher his last name, but it was uh, Bill Nye, uh, who yeah. plays the the patriarch of the family. Um, but then you have really, really fun cameos in the movie, like the final performance of Richard Griffiths, uh, and uh, who's great in the movie. And then Richard E. Grant, who is fantastic in... Uh, both Richard Griffiths and Richard E. Grant play actors, uh, like theater actors in this movie, and they have they they crush their scenes. They do. One of my, one of my favorite actors in the whole world, uh, just a, a character actor for those that may have seen. Uh, oh my god, I completely forgot the name of it. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, or rather the the sequels of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Uh, Tom Hollander is yes. in this movie. He plays a playwright, and yes, every actor. The part they play, they are amazing. And that, that, I mean, that's something about um, Richard Curtis films because of the fact Mm -hmm. that whether you look at Four Weddings and a Funeral, great ensemble cast, uh, Bridget Jones' Diary as well. And then you look at Love Actually. I read this interview with, um, with Richard Curtis and he was talking about like, yeah, everybody knows everybody that was in Love Actually, but 
it was a 50 50 when it came mm -hmm. out there were just really just a few known actors at that time but since that movie came out andrew lincoln was on the walking dead martin freeman went on to be on sherlock and a myriad of mm -hmm. other things but nobody knew who he was then nobody knew andrew right. lincoln was um Kira Knightley was virtually unknown when he cast her exactly. as well. Um, yeah. And a couple other actors. Basically, it was like Emma Thompson, um, Alan Rickman, and Liam Neeson. Those were the names. But uh, everybody else in the film is what, you know, has kind of helped that movie, like, gain legs over time. But these are the the, the type of stories that Richard Curtis is, you know, in, uh, really interested mm -hmm. in. Now, granted, he didn't write the novel for Bridget Jones, but he did do the screenplay for the film. And that movie, like this movie, like Love Actually, like Notting Hill, like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, they're all about English people. But again, it's the simple things that this movie is all about. Like that, that human connection is right. really the it, thing that he's attracted to in. Right. And it's theme. not just right. It's not just British. It's everybody, you mm -hmm. know as you say, with that theme, we all deal with these issues that these characters deal with. It's not just British. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, two, we, we covered loosely kind of like the, the overall plot about this yeah. movie, but I'm always, always fascinated because it's more of a film discussion. It's not necessarily a film analytical process of deconstructing the film, although we can go there if that's what you're interested in. So, Mary, my question to you is, what is it about this film specifically that that you connect to? Why is this movie important to you? Well, I can tell you, just rewatching it a couple of days ago, I can like honestly say out there, if you've had a bad day, you're feeling depressed, just watch this movie. It'll take you away from that. And why I say that is because, um, you know, in this movie, basically what they are trying to tell you as the theme is ordinary life is extraordinary. And um, the character, um, him, basically says he goes back and it's like he tries to relive the day, but then he says, just grasp the good and grasp the bad. It's all beautiful. So to me, I that was just so incredible. Now, if I was able to have that ability, yeah, you, if you could go into the future, that's what you would do, make yourself rich. But didn't you wonder the, I mean, they live in this like almost McMansion on the water, right? Yeah. Um. He retired at 50, literature professor. So he had to have inherited money from um, one of the males, right? Mm -hmm. His father, his grandfather, who did, the, he, they do say in the beginning that they were totally unhappy by trying to make the money instead of to have the benefit of enjoying your life. So, um, yeah. To me, that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of questions you can really look at it. And obviously they they themselves don't necessarily pursue wealth, but they live on the beach in Cornwall, right? I mean, they, yes. they, they, they do just okay as a, as a collective family. And our protagonist, Tim, he goes on to be a lawyer, which again, 
your typical working class in England can't just do that, right? I mean, so there is generational wealth that does exist within the family. Now, it's, I don't want to say modest wealth, that's kind of like a uh, um, hyperbole, what's the word, one thing, uh, oxymoron, right? Um, But they're not, their their finances aren't like to the extreme, but they they're a family that they they do okay. But what is interesting and how their their family operates is despite whatever wealth their family may have, they themselves and how they connect with each other are simple moments, right? When you look at the fact that what do they do yeah. during their days? They they all spend their time on the beach. They they watch movies together outside, you know, uh, out on the beach. They they throw stones out on the beach. They they spend most of their time in their in, in their homes. You know, the movie has a relatively modest budget of seven to ten million dollars, ten million pounds or dollars, depending on how whatever however you want to look at it. But there's really virtually no special effects. Uh, the budget obviously went to location and cast, but the locations are relatively simple. There's nothing completely mm-hmm. over the top. This movie and what they did was a really great job of saying this family is a really, really well, like just it, it, it's a well structured. Now, not without their faults. Obviously, they have a daughter that struggles with her her demons, mm-hmm. um, but they're a simple family in many respects, and they're just very well connected and maybe there's an element of i don't know what's the word i want to look for um an element of envy like because i i mean to me it's a perfect family it, it, it's you know they they have love and maybe there there's drama the movie is not really necessarily super interested in exploring that but just the the, the human experience and the connection yeah. is what this movie is about and although many films in the the the, the rom com genre, if you will, there's typically a force of antagonism. But in this film, there's there's really none. There's no there's no bad guy. There's no bad spirit. But there's he, bad foreboding. And did you notice that comes right after um, our um, um, Mary gets married in a red dress? Yes, the wedding dress is red. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of go into from the good, like a little bit of bad happens that progresses. I don't want to give it away, but yeah, I yeah. found that so fascinating. Who gets married? She's a very quirky character. Who gets married in a red wedding dress? That's so interesting that you brought that up because I made a note. And unfortunately, I didn't research to find out the why behind that. But it was very odd. And and the listeners that that know this movie better than I or the listeners that have already researched this, they're shouting at the computer right now. But I am curious to know why why she was married in in red. I'm kind of curious about that. But there is maybe I don't know, maybe there was a color palette just to to symbolize. All right. Now we are moving forward in the plot. Everything has been good. We're going to show that yeah. this this is a pivotal pivotal moment, and it things is. are going to change a little bit in this film as it a was, result of that. To me, that was very symbolic. Mm-hmm. That red wedding dress, and she is a quirky character. And even it, um, the wedding song, she it was this it was Tim's favorite song or the dad's favorite song. Mm-hmm. There was no way she was playing it. 
but there it was. So it wasn't your traditional march down the aisle. It was this quirky Italian song, and she's wearing a red wedding dress. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that works about this movie is a similar thing that happens in virtually every time travel film, because we don't see unless you are unless you are part of Tim's family. Um, <laughs> we typically don't have the ability to ta- travel through time. But I am always not that I have any real inherent regrets. Yeah, I mean, there are things, you know, that I'm like, I would love to have another conversation with my father, which this movie does do that, mm-hmm. which again, that's where my 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 water works without really getting too in depth and spoiling anything, even though this movie came out 10 years ago. And if you're listening now and haven't seen it, shame on you. You need to watch this movie immediately. But this movie does do that element of asking questions. What would you do? You know, like if you, Mary, if you could travel through time and you are within this own special circumstance, what what would be things that you would be intrigued in? Same thing, you know, um, to take, you know, what we have to explain is to, um, they have what Tim ends up doing with this is yes, he wants to find love, but he uses it to go back and correct the mistake he made because he is very much a nerd. <laughs> so he he learns through his mistakes. So what would I do? I think it's like the things that you have lost, but within this genre, this film, you cannot go back that far back because then there are certain things like we found out with him and his child <laughs> you cannot go back and just change things so yeah to to see that loved one for me it would be to go back if I could do it and to spend time with my parents with um, the friends that I've lost um, to illness things like that yeah like that yeah, and it's it's genius because of the mm-hmm. fact that that's what this movie this movie is all about mm-hmm. the human like the human spirit and that the human emotional connection right and when we meet Tim when we meet Mary for the first time we don't see their well we already know Tim but yeah. when we meet them <laughs> yeah. together we don't see any faces it's literally an emotional connection right it's dialogue yeah. and how they're connecting and that that's the human spirit is that emotional connection right Mm -hmm. it's not it's not materialism right i mean the the now you know being super ridiculously wealthy where you don't have to worry about things yeah i mean that that's that sounds lovely but that's you know there there's been poems and stories and novels all about that money means nothing and this movie talks literally about that that Mm -hmm. you know they have people that have tried that that isn't that mm-hmm. isn't the the be all end all. It is that human connection, right? It is the and yes. And this movie movie addresses that. And I think that's one of the things that I personally love about this movie because it's it's literally not what I can do for myself, but how can I improve things that I've done wrong or how can I help yes. those around me? Yes. And, and and Tim does with the playwright, his 
this nasty, nasty landlord, <laughs> right? But you end up loving him. You love and hate him. Um, he screws up his relationships to help him. Mm-hmm. But then that was part of his journey, which was a beautiful journey to watch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, now I'm going to start getting into what are some of your yeah. favorite scenes, but that is one of my favorite scenes yeah. is, is, uh, the, the, the debut performance and how he saves his, yes. his, <laughs> his very, very rude, uh, but perfectly acted by Tom Hollander, yeah, uh, you know, landlord, just the, <laughs> the Richard E. Grant forgetting his lines was just one of the best things in the whole, I love Richard E. Grant. Yeah. And he crushes. He's only on the film screen for like two and a half minutes. Yeah, but wonderful actor and just the the note cards, which is kind of like a precursor. Uh, actually, rather not a, a precursor, but kind of like a an Easter egg, if you will. If you've seen Love Actually, we've got another little like note card moment, which yeah, used with Love Actually. But in this one, we have another note card scene, which is so good, and it saves the playwright and. Oh my gosh. Um, just so many scenes. It's not a vignette film, but it no. kind of works kind of like a vignette uh, a film in the same way, but just the different things that Tim does for good for those that he loves. And that's just yeah. one of my, and, one of my favorite you really, scenes. You really fall in love with Tim mm-hmm. because he is such a genuinely wonderful person, a nerd, um, you know, and he, he wants, to love and to find the romance as he in his own words mentions the fact that he's kind of like tall lanky you know like kind of scrawny mm-hmm. nothing you know uh with a bad haircut and he's 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 a ginger not right? necessarily he's, he's the weasley from harry potter one of the he's, he is right? a weasley yes. from harry potter yeah he's yes. the oldest brother in the the final harry potter film yeah he, yes. is, he is a weasley he's not uh super dapper but he, he's charming he's nerdy uh, but he's also there. There's an element, and this might be, you know, part of the the writing of Richard Curtis. Although, like he said, that wasn't his intention when he when um, Donald Gleason was cast. But there is a very, very Hugh Grant element to mm-hmm. to this character. Just kind of just a regular, just a regular guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, he he's not the 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 Daniel Craig Englishman, right? He he's no. he's a little bit scrawnier, no. you know, not and at all. <laughs> he he's a little bumbly. He's not necessarily a stutterer in the way that Hugh Grant is, but he's a little bumbly and kind of like awkward. But there's that element of charm, and and you root for a character like this. Yeah, and he even though he has one of the most awkward exchanges in with uh, with Rachel McAdams in the museum, you still do root for for this character, even though you're like cringing because. It's just such a painful scene. Yeah. The, the casting, I guess, is really the point that I'm trying to make is it very, very well casted. Yeah. Lead Rachel McAdams is perfect in everything she's in. And of course, Margot Robbie is so perfect of a specimen in this movie that you love her, but also hate her in in, in some well, ways. You don't even know it's her. She's 22 years old. Right. I said, oh, my God, that's. That actress is so familiar. And then it dawned on me, that is Margot Robbie. That is a young Margot Robbie, you know, just really starting out. Mm -hmm. Now, Mary, not to pivot into the the final act of our Mm -hmm. conversation, but I try to keep it around an hour. When it comes to this movie, 
I know where I'm at. Um, you know, I'm 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 a hopeless romantic as well. But I mean, there are two very very important love stories that this movie is exploring. Right? You look at the the love story of romance, and then you look at a love story of family. And for uh, I'm just kind of curious: is there one that you were more? Is there one that uh, connected to connected with you more? Was it was it the love like the rom com? Was it the family? Was it all encompassing? No, you can't do that. You can't do all encompassing. You have to you have to uh, draw a line in the sand. What connected yeah. to you more? It was the family. It was just the journey of the family, just the journey of a young man, and um, you know, just the members of his family. And how he intertwines with them and what they went through and how you like cheered for them and you hoped for them. And it wasn't an extraordinary journey. Mm -hmm. It was very much an ordinary life that people lived, but it was shown to be extraordinary in this movie. And that whole theme, I think that's what it was. That whole theme was just take the good in life and take the bad in life and love it and um, and just have that attitude instead of always being negative. Just try to have a positive attitude that I think because we all deal with that. So I think it just resonated so much with me. Mm-hmm. And um, and you were right. Tears of joy. There are tears of joy. And um, you're hoping that there's a situation that it does it turns around, which it does. And there were a couple of those. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a beautiful journey of life that all of us deal with. And we're like, oh, another miserable day. Another. And basically what they were saying is enjoy the misery because it'll make you a better person and you will love your life that much more because live your life was the bottom line. You, you, you nailed that. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the, the line, but Tim says in one of his voiceovers, like we're all traveling through time, right? Right. All we can do is do the best to relish the, like the remarkable ride of life or something along those lines, right? We're like, we're all traveling through time all we can do is make the best of it. Right. And that's, that's what this movie is. And to what you just mentioned, like good or good or bad, I've covered like 2023 has been the film that there has been an underlining connection with several of the films that I mentioned that it's adversity is kind of that element of life that is the most self-defining in in many respects is the, the it's, it's whether it's our regrets or the, the the bad moments that happen that help define who we become as a person, right? It's not necessarily mm-hmm. just the successes that we have. It's the, the whether failures. it's the failures or yes. the heartbreaks or yes. the inevitability of life. That's that's what affects us. And that's what that's what shapes us who we become. Obviously, the good things do right. as well, but right. You can't just have the good. It's the bad as well that that do play that part, right? So, right. you know, we're all just, we're going through this journey and we have to relish everything. We have to enjoy mm-hmm. those moments, right? To connect it with Love Actually. And he's talking about in, in uh, that, like that voiceover in the intro, maybe it was the intro. I think it was the intro. Um, 
where he was talking about September 11th and all the phone calls, they weren't, they weren't phone calls of hate. They were phone calls of love. Right. And that's, I think that's what Richard Curtis does so well as a writer. And even in love, actually, I'm not love, actually four weddings and a funeral, you know, you, you've got these moments of celebration and then you have these, uh, what you, the most important scene, quite frankly, is a moment really of of a funeral, and and it's that that part of the human spirit that the 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 downside that also shapes us and affects us and mm-hmm. help us become more rounded, so we can appreciate those moments that we've got right. In the end, Tim figures out, and as he says, he you know went one step further than his own father. Um, and how he's going to live his life and the things that he wants to do. And and what um, was amazing to me is where he said he got to the point where he didn't have to go back and correct himself anymore, which mm-hmm. was, I think, an amazing pivot. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, I, I'd never give that up if I could. <laughs> <laughs> so... In our final in our final act, and by the way, Mary, thank you, by the way. Thank you so much for selecting this film. This has been a really great ride to revisit. I enjoy this movie. I encourage every listener to go back and, and revisit this film. But is there anything that we have not covered that you're like, we need we would be doing a disservice if we forgot this, or there's something that's on your mind that that we haven't covered? I think one of the things that I always like to stress as an author because of the struggles that I went through is to never give up on yourself. Mm. And um, that's very important for me to get that out there because um, everybody will say, this isn't good, that you're not good with this. You know, you're never good enough. Go la, 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 la. You have that passion in your heart. Stick with it. And never give up on yourself. Like I said, I'm an overnight success, a 10 year overnight success. <laughs> and it's all stepping stones. And it's that journey in life, good and bad. I think that's very well said. Mary, how can the, the listeners find you and find your work? Um, my books are in Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I'm in any independent bookstore. If I'm not there on the shelf, just give them my name and my book titles. And I have a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. As I said, if you love fantasy, adventure, and romance, young adults or older, you'll love The Girl in the Twelve Wallpaper. And the Star Writers Club, Club is following in a couple of weeks. And um, I, the reason I love fantasy adventure so much in that genre is reality is too real for me. <laughs> so I love to bring you on a journey, take you away from the everyday world, and take you on a nice fantasy adventure journey. <laughs> Aww, Mary Severis, thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation this evening. Oh, me too. It was just so much fun. I wish I could discuss other <laughs> movies with you. This was incredible for me. Anytime, anytime you have an open <laughs> invitation, all I ever do is talk about film. So, you know, I I would love to chat, you know, if uh and when part three is coming out, if you want to discuss the the next the next uh chapter of the trilogy, open invitation. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you so much. I will be back. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Mary for joining us on the podcast. Greatly appreciated. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this every bit as much as I enjoyed our conversation. 
And please do me a favor and hop on the the note portion of this podcast so you can find the links to to Mary's website as well as some information about about her novels. And of course, you can always take a look at my website, sanforcinema.com, and you can find out where to find more episodes of my work and blogs and leaving a review and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I think I think I think that'll wrap it up for this week. I think we crushed it. I think we crushed it. Much appreciates, uh, much, much appreciates, much appreciation to all the listeners out there. I love you guys, and we will be back next time with another episode of Stanford Cinema.